With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon, show here at Freightways where we focus on all things sustainability in freight and logistics. Today, I have the honor of being joined by Evan Pahosky of JLE Industries. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Great to talk to you again. I learn every time we talk, and I hope our listeners do the same today. Why don't you kick it off and let them know a little bit about who you are and where JLE started and where you're at today? JLE is a pretty young company. We've only been around, Tyler, for about uh, five years now, five years going on six. It was conceived very early on as you know a simple base case uh, trucking model. Today, JLE represents a top 25 carrier in the flatbed space in terms of size and scale in our revenues. Uh, we are a technology first company, but you know, really on a mission to bring a different approach to the flatbed segment of truckload in North America. <clears throat> you know, we focus very much on the people. We focus very much on improving the work experience uh, for the trade professional driver. That's our, our ethos. It's our mission. And we're really trying to redefine what that means so that you know, trucking can be a uh, prominent and a preferred vocation. Our wedge is flatbed. We love the space. It's nuanced. Uh, we have our own fleet, uh, 400 deep, almost 500 individuals that are part of the company today. So we're really proud of where we came from and where we're going. That's so exciting. And how did you land in the freight space? You know, I usually find it's by accident or you're born into it. So what's your story to get in it? It was actually really interesting as coming out of business school. I, um, you know, had this idea that, uh, Trucking in many ways was similar to hospitality, and that was my background before we got into it. And it was this notion of perishable inventory. If you didn't sell a hotel room every single night at the highest possible rate, well, then it was perishable. You never got it back. But the trucking industry seemed to be you know, 20 years behind uh, where the hotel and the lodging industry was from a, um, you know, a concept of yield management. And so, you know, I ended up quitting a, a job working at a publicly traded real estate investment trust to uh, dabble in trucking. I had no idea how difficult it was going to be getting into it, but the people are fantastic. It's been a wild mission. And um, to really see that business model come to where it stands today has been very um, fulfilling. I'm sure it's really rewarding. You know, everyone wants to solve the, the news vendor problem, right? Nobody wants to buy yesterday's newspaper. So too funny. Well, I'm glad you're in it and I'm glad to hear a little bit more about what JLE is doing. Specifically, let's dive into some sustainability initiatives, which is what I love focusing on on this show. What have you guys got going on, you know, under the hood at JLE? You know, we're working on a lot of different things, Tyler. You know, for us, when we sat down almost 12 months ago and began to formulate, um, you know, our own ESG mandate, we looked at where we could have uh, the most impact in the shortest amount of time. And of course, being a scale up, you know, you're constrained by capital and of course, other things. So, you know, we focused on, um, you know, how we could uh, begin to reduce our carbon footprint 
Um, we focus on ways that we can build sustainability into the model, um, not just from an environmental standpoint. And I know that that's what we're here to talk about today, but also, you know, social and workforce. So sustainability for us, um, you know, has to do with building long-term resiliency into the model. And um, it's about increasing the value proposition to the customers while creating a better sense of purpose. So in the last six months, we've been exploring a lot of really cool strategic partnerships, you know, looking at our own carbon footprint, understanding how uh, we can take those data, talk to our customers, um, you know, be full open kimono about where we're at as a, you know, an organization that is a big emitter of greenhouse gas and coming full circle, you know what I mean? Full transparency again, and then having early conversations with our customers of, you know, how we can both tackle these. What we found was really interesting when we went through that process is, you know, more than 70% of all of our prime customers have stated ESG mandates. And more importantly, they have um, funds, sustainability funds focused on reducing greenhouse gases. So we're in the early innings of figuring out how we can, you know, help them advance their sustainability agendas while, um, you know, giving them more reliable access to capacity. And also at the same time, you know, we'll talk about the Remora partnership is figuring out how we at JLE, without completely overhauling the fleet, um, you know, can test out different hardware solutions and be part of some of these very cool uh, pilot programs to figure out what works for us and what's going to be scalable for us. So it's a cool time at JLE. It's really exciting. And, and I love hearing about how you step back, evaluate current state, start laying out a strategy for how we're going to get to a future state. And you're valuing all of these external and internal pressures, because I'm sure a lot of your employees want to see these green initiatives happen as well. And you, you mentioned something that I think is really important that's easy to overlook. You know, for as long as I've been in the industry, safety and personnel are non-negotiables, right? If you're a supplier to a customer or if you're a, an, an owner, right, and you have employees, that's, that's just table stakes to get in the game, right? And it feels like now a lot of these environmental issues that have been externalized for so long are starting to become table stakes in certain industries. And I think trucking is going to be one of those here in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for a, for a business like JLE, um, it's very capital intensive. You've got to have those type of resources. You know, today, a lot of the banks are beginning to ask these questions, not necessarily because they just simply want to check the box, but, you know, they're under shareholder um, compliance mandates. They're under, you know, different levels of scrutiny. And we actually think it's a cool thing, you know what I mean? Because that's how capitalism should work at some um, dimension is it helps to channel the betterment of the greater good and the purpose. And, you know, here at JLE, <clears throat> sustainability environmentalism is very important to us. You know, we are a conservative company, but we deeply care. You know what I mean? Like we all want our children to be able to go out and enjoy the things that we do today. Um, and to be able to build a company that has a central purpose, um, you know, people and the planet is, is very, very cool. <clears throat> At the same time, yes, the customers, they're wanting to have these conversations and not just checking the box, but, you know, talk to us a little bit more. So for a technology forward company, you know, that's always prided itself in being um, transparent, has prided itself in being nimble. Um, we're taking the opportunity to build that into our reporting and almost hold ourselves to a higher level of internal compliance, even though we're still, you know, at, at the at the five yard line with 95 more to go. You know what I mean? It's a, a big step forward, but just having a written mandate and having made early stage investments in pilot programs demonstrates that 
you know, companies like JLE, and I'm sure there's many others are really taking it seriously and putting our capital where our mouth is. So good. You mentioned two things there that I want to touch on that are really great. One, I don't think we can repeat it enough, but let's all work really, really hard on divorcing this idea of environmental concern from any sort of political stance, because we all get to live on the same planet. And it wasn't always a left uh, pillar of their of their platform, right? We all got to be good stewards of creation. So I love that you mentioned that because that's a great starting point. Two, um, can you state kind of where you guys are at that five yard line? Have y'all set can you share some of those internal targets? Because when I ask carriers, I'm, I'm eager to understand, you know, there's value in being more efficient. There's value in lowering our fuel costs, right? It helps helps us go out and win in the marketplace, right? If we can be doing more with less. But as long as you're running on fossil, there's only a certain amount of efficiency you're going to be able to gain just technologically from the assets you're operating today, unless there's a change in fuel or feedstock or, or engine type, you know, we're going to be constrained at a certain degree. So, you know, where do you guys kind of draw that starting line? And can you share, if not exact numbers, you know, how you kind of started calculating what data you used, what resources you're referring to, things like that? Yeah, we're still, I would say, in the exploratory um, phase of that. But for us, it's a function of what are the uh, financial implications to the base model, okay? And this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. For companies like JLE, where our core product is largely a long-haul freight solution and it's notoriously irregular routes, um, open deck, more complexity to it, when we think about the investments that would need to be made in short order, for example, into, into EV, I think that the use case, the dominant use case, is uh, a little less applicable than it would be in three to five years when the infrastructure is more fully built out. So we're very focused on software solutions that can help um, optimize routing, that can help ensure that you know when we reposition assets and we have to reposition individual drivers, professional drivers, we're doing so in a way that takes those things into account. At the same time, Tyler, we're being super mindful not to window dress what we're attempting to do um, as, you know, there's this commercial aspect to it first. Oh, and by the way, the world's on fire with with ESG and, you know, talking about carbon. We want to make sure that whatever we're doing has a genuine consistency to the overall, you know, objective um, to improve the lives of the nation's trade professional driver while helping to build a more resilient future. And we see the environment as a key stakeholder in what we're attempting to do. Now, <clears throat> jumping a little bit forward into Remora, you know, it was a, a sizable capital investment for JLE, but that allows us to forego having to uh, enter into these long lead time uh, capital allocation decisions but immediately test something and see if it's going to move the needle for us. Um, if we can begin to integrate that technology into our core solution and it's good for our mandate and it helps advance the mandate of our customers, fantastic. We want to do that all day long. 100%. Let's give a little bit of a high level overview for the listeners because, you know, I'm a big fan of Remora obsessed about the opportunities there. And we recently had Paul, the CEO on to talk about what that solution is bringing to market, but share with us a little bit about, you know, what it's doing and where you're operating it and what you can expect, hopefully some of those results to be that you can show off in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And before I get into it, you know, huge kudos to Paul and his team for their vision and what they've been able to do in such a short amount of time. You know, Paul personally, spent a large amount of time with me, educating me on things that I just 
I didn't know about, you know, the concepts of additionality, the concepts of permanence and how, you know, we should take these ideas and these notions and really think about them strategically as we are investigating, you know, how we want to run our mandate. The technology itself is super, super cool in our opinion. It, you know, bolts onto the back of our class A tractors. Um, we have the ability to run the trucks during the day, bring them back to a terminal where we would then offload the carbon, the CO2 that's captured. Paul's technology, Paul and his team developed technology that can capture up to 80% of what's being admitted, um, you know, that gets stored, then recycled, and then all, um, Remora helps with the placement of that into the secondary markets. You know, where they place it and how they place it is their discretion, but it's going into use cases such as concrete and other, you know, projects that are very high, highly certified um, as it relates to you know, improving the overall carbon ecosystem. So it's it's very cool. Um, technically, um, can't speak too much to it because I don't know the inner workings of the technology, but we're super excited to be a part of that pilot program and, um, you know, begin to outfit a decent amount of the fleet with their technology. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've, I've read Christina's entire white paper and I still feel like a complete noob when I'm trying to talk the, the technicals of that technology. So, but it is super cool. And I love the idea of introducing additional revenue streams and co-products um, I, I came from a biofuels trading background and there's always one or two or three different things you can do with these core products that you're processing. And it's cool to see trucking have that opportunity, hopefully, as that solution scale. How many um, how many trucks do y'all slap it on? And are, y'all are based out of PA, so are you, I'm assuming you're running the trucks close to home or? Yeah, we have some regional dedicated accounts that we're, um, you know, equipping that those fleets with. Um, out of the gate, it's going to be just five to 10 units. <clears throat> Currently, we've committed to five. We might upsize it. Uh, to 10 um, but they've got a high demand for it so hopefully there'll be a window opportunity for us to do that but we're going to do it in a way that ensures that um, we give the you know both the technology and the the core service that we're still providing to our customers the very best balance approach for maximum success we don't want to send the the drivers with a new technology equipped on their trucks um you know, too far out. We want to have them close locally, regionally. So to the extent challenges come up, you know, we can address them together and, um, you know, it'll probably be a better course of action during that pilot program. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. Well, good on you guys. I'm excited to see that come out, and hopefully we can broadcast some of those results on the media side of the business here at FreightWaves once you guys have some findings to disclose. Tell me a little bit, you know, you mentioned the the customer side of the fence. Is there a specific um, industry or vertical or size of customer that makes this solution or a similar solution more appealing? Have you found any differentiation there? Yeah. You know, the big enterprise shippers of the world, uh, you know, verticals would be a great one. Um, Steel, okay, is, um, you know, they too, um, at least not the most modern age ones, but um, some of the others that have been in the space for quite some time are also big emitters of greenhouse gas. And so that's putting a lot of pressure on them to, you know, both uh, consider how they are making investments on their own to improve the situation, but also through their supply chain, partnering with companies that um, are helping to advance those agendas. So we're seeing 
more of it, much more of it, Tyler, through the, you know, the bigger enterprise accounts. I'll tell you, steel is definitely one. Building products is definitely another. But we're having those conversations. And I think that, um, you know, we're a smart way um, partnership carrier. That's terrific. That's helped, you know, really kind of illuminate our commitment to things. But as we move forward as a carrier and as an industry, um, I think a lot of those things that were put in place three to five years ago are going to become, you know, table stakes in the next 12 months. I think the future looks very much um, like one where uh, base case is timely, accurate reporting with a high degree of fidelity, where that comes from, whether it's we have the resources to do it or we have to enter into strategic partnerships with others that can provide that level of, of timeliness and fidelity is, is going to be key. And then again, how do we use that information? What are we doing? Um, are we just reporting? Um, are we greenwashing it? Or are we making real efforts to move the needle? Absolutely. And that's going to, hopefully, I agree. Let me step back. I completely agree with you. Table stakes on reporting and disclosing beyond what we're doing today is going to happen almost before you can blink your eyes. Um, but what you do with that data is the most impactful piece because we still are coalescing around what's meaningful for moving freight. Is it reducing grams per CO2, grams of CO2e per ton kilometer? Is it reducing absolute emissions? And if so, how does each of the stakeholders have control over uh, their piece of that pie, you might say? So I'm excited to continue to watch the industry mature in this space because it just feels so exciting and so nascent to see not only do we have targets we don't know exactly how high they need to, to go, but we also don't know how to get those targets. So it's, it's really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned... Um, a little bit about customers there. I do think steel is an interesting use case, just knowing their full like GHG corporate inventories, transport is kind of similar to the rest of the world. You know, outbound transportation is probably somewhere between eight and 12% of total emissions globally for steel manufacturers. That's probably lower given their high heat industrial use cases, but um, other customers, not so much, right? If you have a really lightweight customer um, that's paying a lot to air freight their goods, they're going to have a much higher transport emissions number. So I think it's important that we don't uh, try to bottle each customer in their own little silo, because ultimately you guys need to have exposure to a broad array of customers and be able to offer a lot of those same solutions, or at least maybe even stratify an offering to a customer that's willing to pay more for a green freight solution, right? Do you think those types of solutions will emerge? Yeah, absolutely. And we're, you know, we're thinking about that. We're having discussions, um, you know, I wish I could say more with potential partners. And there are an array of early startups that essentially could be middleware solutions for um, larger established carriers that would help us embed, Tyler, within our core freight solution, a product a product that would help um, them advance their agendas while potentially drawing attention towards the initiatives that those customers have as a way to incentivize additional ca capacity. You know, we have nearly 400 professional drivers here at JLE, and I know that they all care um, very deeply for the same things that we do culturally as a company, or they just wouldn't choose to come to JLE on their own volition. So we're thinking about ways that we can embed those type of products into our core solution so that there could potentially be that green option, whether it's a pass through of carbon credits, you know, from the ESG funds that, uh, that are established. Um, you know, there's a lot of complexity to that. Um, and another uh, number of other different, I'd, I'd call them derivations of, of that. I think you guys are on the right track and I applaud the effort. I look forward to seeing where it goes. Um, 
Anything else? Uh, actually, one more thing. I would love to learn a little bit about why this matters to Evan. Usually I ask every podcast at the end, all my guests ask, you know, why sustainability matter to you personally? So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. And again, I'll go back to, you know, what I said at, at the get go. And I understand we're, we're certainly here to talk about environmentalism, but that's part of sustainability for us. Part of our mission is to help build a resilient logistical backbone for tomorrow. Okay. That means uh, workforce sustainability. It means social sustainability and where we can also make an impact is on the environmental front. <clears throat> that's a terrific rally cry in today's environment, um, you know, which is largely still dominated by just all these commercial motivations. Um, we are a people first company. Yes, technology enables everything we do, but having a central purpose around how we can all work very hard to do better um, and commit to something that's bigger and greater than ourselves, but potentially is uh, game changing generationally, Tyler, is, is super cool. Okay. I also have young kids. I love to spend time outdoors. It's, you know, very rural here in southwestern Pennsylvania, and that's how I grew up. I want my son and my daughter to be able to enjoy those same things and do it in a way where they have um, a sense of responsibility of not just taking, but giving to. I love it. I love it. I admire that uh, sentiment, and I try to do the same myself. If we can align around these common values and embed them in our, not only in our families and in our homes, but certainly in our enterprises, it just makes it a lot more easy and fun to get up and go to work each day, right? Evan, congrats to you and the JLE team. I look forward to having you back on. Maybe later, you know, first half of this year, I'd like to see some of those pilot results out of Remora and discuss this further. That's right. Thanks so much for having me on your show.